Yeah, I think breaking into the exec level is tough. Um, they often look for experience and they often look for a standard profile. They look for indicators of, you know, this person has demonstrated they can do this, um, which is not possible. You know, you always have to look at someone's potential. So having said that, it then means as an individual, you've got to let people know you. People have to know you. That's that's what you've got as leverage is uh, people knowing you and then your track record. So build your track record and then make sure your track record does create a brand for you. People must know you for something, either delivery or, um, you know, your contributions at a certain level. And the getting to know people, people getting to know you rather, is the networking piece. So, you know, attend the seminars, attend the conferences, um, engage people on LinkedIn. Don't be shy or scared to approach somebody who is doing the work you want to do one day. Welcome to the HR on the Brain podcast. Here we explore innovative approaches to dealing with key HR challenges so that you can continue to add massive value in your organization. I'm your host, Cherie Komni-Lenis. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the HR on the Brain podcast. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Zani Mashanini. Zani is a mentor, coach, executive, and speaker. She has over 22 years experience transforming workplaces and HR experience. She has also partnered with business leaders globally. Her expertise includes talent development, performance management, organizational design, and information management. Her career has included significant roles such as the group head of talent management for the ABSA group, the head of talent management at the Fashini group, and a group human resources executive at the Oceana group. Currently, she's with the South African Reserve Bank as the divisional head of COEs. Welcome, Zani. It's so lovely to have you on the show today. No, always great to um, engage on these topics. So thanks for having me, Sheree. It's a pleasure. So Zani, I'm going to ask you a question that's going to take you way back. Um, but what was your very, very first role in HR? Um, I'm glad you clarified that it's HR and not first job. Otherwise, <laughs> I'd have to go when I was 16. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there, there was a period in the industry where uh, the large corporates offered amazing opportunities for young graduates. I think in those days, um, it was the trend to hire young talent uh, or young um, individuals who don't have experience and sort of put them on programs that would fast track them. Mm. So I was fortunate that I was introduced to programs from different organizations and was uh, very confused as to who I should actually um, go with and um, in terms of employer. And I decided to start in Johannesburg for personal reasons, but I really wanted to join Unilever and decided back then to join Anderson Consulting. Um, there were some personal reasons. I wanted to be close to my mother and wasn't prepared to move to Durban. So I thought, mm. let me the take on the opportunity that would keep me home in Joburg. So I joined what was called Anderson Consulting, which is Accenture. 
and soon realized that, oh no, my heart was Unilever. And my mom said, look, I know it's hard, um, but but I think you need to chase the, the one that you truly, um, you know, wanted to, to work for. Um, so I chose Unilever. So I'd rather talk about that experience. And I think that's where I got to dive right into an HR role. I was an HR officer. That's what they called it back then. And yeah. I yeah, when I reflect, it was, you know, you still went to work excited to welcome a new person on their first day, made sure everything was in order. We still interfaced a lot with payroll back then. So very important to make sure that the right paperwork is done. But fortunate that the program had exciting projects as well. So I learned about assessment centers as an HR professional. I learned how international or global mobility works because we would offer that as part of our talent planning process. Um, I also got to get exposure to learning and development um, and worked on exciting exciting projects and graduate recruitment. So I think very fortunate to have had that exposure early in my career. Absolutely. And Zani, when you were in that space, what was making you feel excited about HR at that time? Apart from working for a very good company, it was also the networks and the kinds of people you work with. Um, you know, I was fortunate I was working with the marketing um, in the marketing space, and that was very exciting. You really felt the product. You understood what sits behind um, a, a brand and got exposed to brand management uh, because I worked with the brand uh, managers and their marketing heads and got exposed to how it all comes together because obviously as they come to you for support you get to learn more so I think that was exciting you know um, and also the fact that you became part of an organization that was in people's homes you know home and personal care products and food products um, so at home you felt the brand as well so that made it really exciting I must say I can imagine that sounds like a wonderful experience mm. and so Zani when did you think to yourself look HR is definitely the path you want to follow for your career because that was of course your first role and you were kind of seeing how it how it went and getting all that exposure but when did you have that moment where you thought like okay this is where my this is the path I'm going to be taking for my career I'm going to be very honest and say that I've never actually said that to myself, isn't it? I suppose that's everybody's stories of many people's stories that um, very rarely do say, this is the path I will take. Mm. You grow into it. But I definitely knew I wanted to be in a space where I was uh, playing a meaningful role in people's own careers and development. So for that's why from a very early age, I've always been involved in um, supporting, developing, mentoring in a way. And I think I was fortunate that I was on a bursary program that helped me get exposure during my undergraduate um, uh, sort of learning period. And during that time, got to see HR leaders um, doing their role for reput a reputable organization um, that was Anglo Platinum. So I was very mm. fortunate got exposure and therefore could see what it looks like um, 
to, to, to embark on this kind of career. Absolutely. And Zani, when did you kind of move into your first senior HR role? What was that role and, and what were you looking after at that time? You know, I must say, again, I have to emphasize how fortunate I have been um, in that I worked for the right organizations in the right time of my career. So SAB was the role, it was the environment that really believed in me and gave me challenges early on in my career. So I was already in a senior role or an executive in my late 20s. Um, which meant that I was looking after a region. Um, I was looking, I was, you know, accountable to a general manager already. So sort of already commercially, you know, accountable and also leading a team of people who, or HR professionals that are leading for their own area. So um, that was, yeah, in my late twenties, if I recall. That's amazing, Zani. Um and absolutely, as you say, you had all the right exposure to have that opportunity arise. And in that role, Zani, were there yeah. any particular special projects that you remember working on um, that excited you at the time? Definitely. Um, I was working for an amazing leader at the time uh, who, who challenged me quite a bit. Uh, just being my mentor, my coach, and he get guided me and said, you know, you as an HR exec are expected to deliver a change project for the region. We need to uh, shift performance. We need to up our game. And I think this is a project that you can use um, uh, and sorry, use to present back to other general managers in the business, as well as the HR director back then. A big project and because of his leadership and guidance, I was able to deliver a really good piece of work. And I was fortunate I also hired some good talent. So I remember I had a young industrial psychologist or newly qualified industrial psychologist who helped me do some good analysis into understanding what is it that's driving um, or, or that's con contributing to why we're battling to perform as a region uh, from a business perspective. And we're able to use that data to translate it into the right initiative. So we had interventions at a leadership level, um, at certain uh, other levels, um, and was able to present back to a senior leadership team in the business around how we were able to implement a change management program. Um, I, I remember the HR director walking to me and shaking my hand saying what a good presentation that was. And when I reflect back, I don't think I could have done it without the, the, the manager I had at the time. Wow, that's such a great story. It must have mm -hmm. felt um, yeah, such an incredible moment to get that uh, job well done handshake from, this, from the HR no, director. Absolutely. And it was that, absolutely, I mean, it was that moment that I never thought would happen at that time because there was a lot of skepticism about my my ability because I was so young. Um, but I think with mentoring and coaching, I do think people rise to the occasion and can amaze you and do amazing things. So if I had to reflect back, that's something that I think contributed to that. Absolutely, absolutely. 
And Zani, I know a lot of HR professionals out there um, find themselves in kind of the mid-stage of their career um, where they're perhaps, you know, a business partner or perhaps leading a small team, but they find themselves wanting to move into the more kind of senior executive roles. Um, what advice would you have for them on how to make that transition, how to stand out in, in that process? Yeah, I think breaking into the exec level is tough. Um, they often look for experience and they often look for a standard profile. They look for indicators of, you know, this person has demonstrated they can do this, um, which is not possible. You know, you always have to look at somebody's potential. So having said that, it then means as an individual, you've got to let people know you. People have to know you. That's, that's what you've got as leverage is uh, people knowing you and then your track record. So build your track record and then make sure your track record does create a brand for you. People must know you for something, either delivery or, um, you know, your contributions at a certain level. And the getting to know people, people getting to know you rather is the networking piece. So, you know, attend the seminars, attend the conferences, um, engage people on LinkedIn. Don't be shy or scared to approach somebody who is doing the work you want to do one day. Um, just say, walk up to them, just say, I really am fond of the work you're doing. I've been, you know, observing the work you've been doing over the years. This is what I really admire about you. Um, please let me know if you are open to uh, a conversation uh, just to um, help me understand how I can, you know, plan my career. I do look and regard you, look up to you as a mentor. You know, that kind of approach, I think, helps. And and don't um, shy away from taking on additional responsibilities. You know, this additional responsibilities is a concern for me if you feel that, you know, I need to get paid to do more. I'm finding that I do come across that. And I'm just saying to you, get experience and invest in your future. So if there's projects that are not in the space that you're working in, put your hand up. Um, the, you know, the worst is people say no, you know, and that's fine. So you try again. Put your hand up for that project, volunteer for uh, fixing a problem, look for the problems to solve in your space or out of your space and expose yourself to other environments. And then the last advice is, you know, we've got this concept of managers in the workplace. I think your manager's not the be it end all. Um, try and make sure that other people can speak for you on your behalf and not just your manager because they're also busy. They also sometimes only see one part of you, but somebody can see something else about you. So you may want them to also support your manager when they speak about you. So that's really a combination of get the coaches, mentors and sponsors to help fast track your career. Oh, I love all of that advice, Zani. There's so many gems in there that, um, mm -hmm. you know, people can pick up and immediately start to work on. Um, I know for me, a big thing you taught me early in my career or middle, middle of my career was around that networking piece. I think for me, I was always someone that wanted to just get the work done. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, but it was, of, of course, you showed me the importance of, of also having those um, connects with different stakeholders in the organization so that they could, of course, support uh, projects I was working on and that kind of thing. Uh, but that was something, yeah, that that was new to me at the time. 
yeah yeah look um it does come with bravery and courage um i must say so some of us find it easy some of us not and if you don't find it easy to network just take small steps like just pop somebody a linkedin mail uh you know you don't have to go all out and approach uh, <laughs> somebody <laughs> that you've never spoken to you know if that's too daunting then just pop somebody an email um and take it from there absolutely I also like what you said about taking on challenges and new projects. I know for me, that's always been something I haven't been able to resist not doing. So when I've been in training roles, I've been like, oh, this is something we should figure out. Let's go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of the time I notice, um, I've noticed with colleagues and in HR professionals I've chatted to, um, often, you know, the the breadth of what that problem could evolve to is something people potentially don't want to get involved in because of the extra work um, and commitment it entails. And so I think in that way, people often maybe hold themselves back from um, Mm. exciting opportunities. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned about analysis, Ani, which I think is is quite interesting um, that, you know, it's important to look into and analyze challenges and problems. What have you um, seen in terms of the power of um, assessments, analytics, and analysis in HR. Um, I think for for many of us, you know, HR professionals, um, we more focus on the people side perhaps than on the analytical side. Um, mm-hmm. I think it would be great to talk to you what the power yeah. of analytics can have to the work we're doing yeah. in the HR space. I'll surprise you. I used to be a project manager. Um, in one of my roles in the UK, looking at analytics. So I had a dedicated team that was responsible for, for looking at insights across the HR value chain. Um, I bumped into this role. I never thought I could do this. But when I arrived, I had wow. a team that did not know how to uh, work with numbers but I was fortunate one of them was from a finance background. So he didn't shy away from the macros and the spreadsheets and all that. But I had a young analyst who's found it quite daunting. And I remember having to encourage and say, you, you don't fear numbers. Um, and I reflect and I know generally as HR people, we have been given this. There's a stigma that we don't like numbers. Well, I was actually quite good at maths at school. So I love numbers. I just don't work with them a lot. But um, I don't shy away from the good old Excel spreadsheets. Um, so I think you first. I think it's important to embrace to embrace numbers. Um, there's there's numbers tell stories, um, and I think you must be curious about numbers. I always say to people, it's good to give the qualitative pieces, but the quantitative at least gives you an objective view to a certain extent. So I think the importance of analytics and HR is to be able to. Uh, present stories and pictures that can help you understand what the actual problems are and and to a certain extent also predict. And I think that's where we shy away um, as HR professionals. The numbers should actually help us plan for the future. We should start using technology a bit better to help us do the stuff we fear with numbers, but we should be migrating more and more to what the data is telling us. Lots of data is available in HR. And I think we should be doing more of the analysis. I think we should be investing in roles where people spend time just looking at the numbers and trying to understand what the real insights are. Because insights help you, you know, um, see things for what they are. 
um, it, it reduces the subjectivity and then it also lifts up your 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 level of contribution. I think this is where mm. HR strategy for 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 sure, um, because you're able to then influence a lot better. And I think you'll find that individuals will buy into whatever you're putting on the table. And um, and then imagine if the numbers that you're looking at start helping produce different numbers for the guys looking at numbers in whichever commercial space they are. So the two can go together. You know, I always dream up of this concept of, imagine if you analyze a CV and you're able to predict how long the person is likely to stay in your organization. So when you do a talent plan with the business leader, you're able to map wow. what your talent for the next three to five years. And I think that's the kind of way you can use insights as opposed to report how many people were in the payroll in the past month. That's also fine. You need to do that. There's various reasons why you need to do a certain level of reporting. But I do think insights can go a lot further. Um, I, I also think if you look at retention, um, even if you look at um, external analytics, just take the, the labor market um, data, use the right technology to be able to tell you what skills your organization needs to be focusing on. And that's all analytics. So for me, um, it plays such a strong part um, in HR and it can contribute so much for you as an HR professional as well. Absolutely. And if um, HR professionals out there maybe think they don't necessarily have these skills just yet um, or it's uh, you know, an emerging skill for them, where do you think they could get started with just getting more comfortable with numbers and, and, and analytics um, in HR? Um, you know what? Microsoft have got amazing tools. So we're fortunate that back in my day, things were very manual and mm. have the offerings like you do now. So I think, you know, putting a pivot together is a click of a button now. It's not as tricky as it used to be. So I think start with the Microsoft products or any products, you know, you've got Power BI. There's all sorts of tools that are mm. make easy for one to grasp and work with numbers. So I think that's a good starting point for yourself. Teach yourself. Yes, you can go on a course, but I think when you go on a course, sometimes you have to be there eight hours, four hours. But just start with Excel. Trust me, if you click the buttons that you've never clicked, you'll be amazed at what happens. <laughs> and then do the, the various um, courses that are available. I do think for this topic, for analytics, you do need to go on a course because there's a technical piece to it based on the technology you use, whether it's Excel or others. Um, but I think you yourself can start there. Go and look at the basic data, you know, appointments, termination, appointments. look at that data and see what is it telling you? Because in there, you'll find so much more than uh, what maybe you've been using it for. But I think by now, the message is very clear for HR professionals. I think I'm, I'm, I must be talking to the converted by now. Um, so I don't think people are necessarily not doing what I'm, you know, suggesting. But for those that are probably shying away from it mm. and want to that space, absolutely start with the basics. Uh, look at the reports that are already being sent to you um, and just fiddle, you know, just click the pivot button table and see what it's telling you. <laughs> I love that, Zani. And I think it's so true for a lot of things in life and then also in HR. Sometimes we do need to experiment and see what happens. Um, so I love what you said there about click the button. You don't always click and see what happens. 
Yeah, click it. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. And then Zani, when it comes to leading an HR team, um, you know, once somebody gets into that space, and of course, it's been something that you've been doing uh, for many, many years. What are some um, things to look out for or tips when leading an HR team that you can share? Um, I think for me, giving them focus is very important because if we don't give the focus, um, we, we, we'll struggle to partner effectively because I, I always feel that the, the business that you partner with will always um, look at um, how you support them and use that to define what HR is for them. So if mm. you want to be more strategic, um, I think it's the experiences you give that will give you that um, strategic level. Um, so, so what I'm suggesting is make sure that you have focused plans that do look at um, what the business is trying to solve. You know, start there. Encourage. I would encourage the teams to first start looking at what is it that we need to solve for the business. Um, use analytics again to help you um, dissect that. Um, and then that will translate into the focus that you need. I think it's very important that you're not all over the place as an HR professional. Um, you know, I always make a joke and say some, you know, sometimes you have to take the dry cleaners, you know, you go to that level of service. <laughs> but you do have boundaries, right? So people understand what the HR professional is uh, and what it's not. So I think the focus is very important. I think measurement is important. So when leading an HR team, you must measure the work that you're doing. Because then you're able to know whether you're progressing, um, you know whether your focus is going the right direction. Um, and then at the end, you know impact is very clear. Because I find as HR, we can get lost in the day-to-day -day of, you know, mm. engaging at more strategic, you know, conversation all the time. HR is a, is a space where you're always in conversation. And I think the danger there is that you then get lost in translating that into okay what was the value and mm. I think if you start with the focus then you'll know where the value is was it useful to help a senior manager listen to him talk about his divorce you know those are the things that unfortunately HR people get stuck in and you'll know why that was important if you go back to the areas that you focus I think get your team focused um, and then also balance it. So make sure the HR team is also developing themselves personally with the right skills. Um, I do think um, performance contracting consulting is a very important skill for HR mm. because you should be able to um, diagnose and be able to advise accordingly and then be able to craft the right solution and not sell a solution. So we need to go the other way around. You know, first understand the business. What are they trying to solve? Yes. Be able to knows, consult, and then come up with the right solution in the end. That should be at the very end. Um, mm. And then put a contract with business uh, for a particular period. Absolutely. Oh, that's all stunning advice again and so, so useful. Um, I think when we have always been obsessed with um, results and wondering, you know, which things that we're doing actually gives us those results. Because I find in definitely in L&D, you can get so, so busy with all the things you have to do. But if you peel it back and say, okay, if these are results we want, like what are the essential things we need to do? Yeah. I think that becomes important. But often mm -hmm. I've found uh, people can be a bit um, 
resistant to that because you know that sometimes we see it as a question of is what we're doing valuable but it's actually kind of a bigger picture to say what are the activities that we're doing that are actually giving us the results and let's let's amplify those so i love that you mentioned that and zani currently you are at the south african reserve bank um as the um, divisional head of coes can you share with us a bit about your role now and your day-to-day i'll talk about it generally because i i'm yes. speaking personal capacity so I think having you know performed roles such as this my day-to-day is is also about uh, what are the problems that we're trying to solve for in in the long term so we do take a long-term view to some of the work so I think in the past sort of six years or so it's always been about those critical skills that we want to build um, whether it's from an attraction perspective or whether it's from an internal mobility uh, perspective so I think being obsessed with how do we grow skills is, is certainly my day-to-day worry. Um, so it's making sure that we've got the right learning and development plan. So I do spend a lot of the time with teams uh, looking at, okay, if these are the skills we've identified, um, let's look at the plans. Are they working? Um, and let's analyze, um, you know, let's use our analytics to tell us whether our plans are on track. So I do a lot of, um, uh, account, you know, I count a lot to various forums um, various bodies so you I find that a lot of the time I have to uh, uh, do presentations uh, which mm. involve um, uh, informing certain leaders where we are in terms of our deliverables and also how we've managed to solve certain problems that they've presented um, I also spend a lot of my time engaging with uh, business around um, things that we can do differently um, so it's either proposals or uh, be able to uh, facilitate engagements around uh, how we solve a problem. Uh, so yes. whether there's particular people matters that we need to address um, and also doing a lot of coaching. So I find one-on-one coaching, team coaching um, as well and making sure that teams are comfortable with the work that they need to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of time doing that. Um, and I also find myself, um, yes, we are in meetings a lot, <laughs> They, um, they often translate into the things I've mentioned um, and hence why yes. I do that. I, if I reflect a lot, I also do a lot of analysis. So I spend a lot mm. of time with information um, and getting feedback from um, different parts of um, the areas that we, we solve for. Um, and also very important is uh, a lot of uh, workshops um, uh, because workshops have become even more and more mm. critical as we try and unpack things that have been unprecedented, so things that we didn't in, envisage or imagine. So yes. I think a lot of workshops as well in my day-to-day. Absolutely. Yes, your team, um, yeah, must. Uh, I know will really be enjoying working with you. And I reported to Zani back in the day, and I remembered really enjoying the insights you would have, Zani, and just... Uh, helping us to see things in a different way. Um, yeah. That was always my favorite. Um, and I know when, when I, I worked with you, I felt at that time of my career, like it was very exciting. Um, felt like I was learning a lot and growing a lot, um, <laughs> which sometimes in the HR space, you don't have that feeling because it can become quite day-to-day. Um, yeah, and so I can definitely reflect back and I'm sure your team's enjoying you as well um, now where you are. Zani, what's interesting you in the industry at the moment? What are you fiddling with, um, as you say, when you're, you know, looking into things and thinking about HR? 
Yeah, I'm really fascinated by the disruption that has happened. You know, we're now not mm. talking about happening. It's going to, it's happened. And I think everybody is trying to understand how to solve, right? So I spoke mm. about solving. So right now we don't have the answers. I think it's a very fascinating space to be in HR. So we don't know what to do about retention anymore. It yeah. used to be such an easy conversation. You know, let's pay people better. Let's expose them more. Let's send them overseas um, from a South African perspective. You know, those international assignments. You know, those are some of the tactics that one used to be, you know, uh, uh, privy to in terms of the discussions mm. and we're saying okay there's a young person who thinks very differently wants to be identified differently in the workplace does not subscribe easily has their own ideas mm. what do you do what do you do um and yet they're talented and but are facing mental health challenges mm. depression so that is for me what I'm trying to grapple with at the moment. So what do we do about mental health? What do we do about diversity and inclusion? Mm. Um, how do we get people feeling that they belong, even though we've got traditional norms? We still have traditional norms. I still come to work, whichever industry I'm in, right. and I'm male. That's traditional, right? But we know things are not necessarily that way at the moment. And... How is the workplace responding to all of that? Um, does it make sense to retain people? Does it make sense that I have to be on a fixed-term contract? It's that fixed, that word fixed also makes me worry that they're not fixed. <laughs> you know, very few organizations can fix you and say, I fix you for the next three years. Can I tell you next year, you might not exist, dear. So how are you going to fix me for three years? <laughs> so yeah. I always so affected by the employment models as well. I know some organizations are further than some of uh, some other organizations. So I'm fascinated and looking at what should be the employment models that make sense. And then remuneration. Again, you know, should we be really remunerating for years experience? But Five years ago, we, we were not concerned with what we are concerned with today. So can you help me understand why you need 10 years experience? Because that's how REM models are. They're built on tenure. They're built on this year's experience and so-called track record that I also referred to. But I think track record, mm. you've got to see because you may not have a track record for a certain skill, you know. And I think the skills-based talent management or skills-based economy whichever way you want to look at things is becoming far more relevant at the moment um mm. I, I want to know about this skill so dear hr help me find the skill now internally and externally especially mm. internally and also are people really really going to thrive with one career what what two other careers can i look at or skill sets. So I'm really fascinated by that now and reading up a lot on that and fascinated that there are no answers to all of this, but have seen examples of organizations trying to implement things that are different and that we can learn from. I think that's very exciting. Definitely. Just listening to you has me excited. <laughs> 
yeah. I mean, that's where we're at at the moment. Yes, I love how you say this. There's obviously research between the companies trying things, but there aren't yet, these aren't yet problems that are solved. And such interesting questions that you've posed. And yeah, I think I could, we could go down a rabbit hole um, thinking about yeah, those absolutely. and talking about no. them because it's fascinating. <laughs> No, absolutely. We'll start, we'll end up talking about Elon Musk, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Zani, thank you so much for your time. It's been so interesting engaging with you and just speaking with you on your passion for HR and your passion for people um, and hearing more about the work that you're doing. Zani, if anyone would like to contact you or, you know, get in touch, what is the best way for them to do that? I think send me a LinkedIn mm. um, mail. Mind. Um, I do respond to them. I do engage that way um, with the industry and the market. So I'm very happy for anyone to get in touch um, with me via LinkedIn. Thank you so much, Zani. That'll be great. I'll pop your profile in the show notes as well. Thank you again. Well done on the good work, Sheree. And thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode and spending the time with us. I would love to meet you. Join us at our next event where we discuss EHR chat. To sign up, visit www.thebrainebox.com forward slash events. And if you enjoyed this show, I'd be so grateful if you left us a review on iTunes. Talk soon.